Hi, everybody. It's Neil and Cheryl Josephson from Family Life Canada. We want to thank you for tuning in and even more for investing in your parenting journey. We built this workshop for you to provide real hope, practical help, and proven wisdom for you and your family. Now, just listen, learn, and then live it. Hey everybody, my name is Sid Coop, and I am the Executive Director of the Youth Worker Community and it is my pleasure to welcome you to this Family Life Canada workshop on how do we help our students navigate their questions and the cultural context they're living in when it comes to the issues of gender, sex, and sexuality. And in particular, is there a way for us as parents to actually enter into these conversations with our kids in a really redemptive way? And this is not easy. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've been doing youth work for about 30 years now. This is the most complex question that I get asked about consistently and when I'm working with students. And probably this is the question that causes the most concern for the parents that we get to interact with as well. I remember the first conversation I had with my son just around sex. He was probably about five years old at the time. We started early. The questions were coming early. And, uh, and here's the context. We've been actually asked to babysit for friends of ours. And they had, um, they had three boys. One was like nine years old, one seven, one five, same age as Peyton. And then my son Cole was three at the time. And, uh, and I went to pick up the kids uh, in their vehicle. Their parents gave us their vehicle. It was an SUV so we could fit them all in there. And I remember when I turned the vehicle on, all the kids were in the back. And they had Sirius Satellite Radio, Top 40 Station was on. And the song that was playing was Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake. So I've just dated myself. This is about circa 2006 or so. And anyways, the song comes on and I quickly turn the station uh, over to the Disney Channel. And their oldest boy in the back, who was nine years old, goes, hey, why did you change the station? I said, ah, I want to find a different song to play. And he goes, well, that's my favorite song. And I remember just saying, well, I'm going to find you a new favorite song. So we shifted out of that. Next day, I come home from work. Peyton comes running up to me at the door to meet me. And I say hi. And then he looks at me and goes, hey, dad. I go, yes, son. He goes, do you know what my favorite song is? And I'm like, no, what's your favorite song, son? He goes, my favorite song is Sexy Back. And so I just remember in that moment, there was every urge within me to say, like, go to your room forever. We will never speak of this again. But to be totally honest with you, in some way, that's how I think my parents kind of dealt with, with the conversation. And I thought there's got to be a better way. And so I remember sitting down with my boy, just saying to him, just saying, hey, Peyton, do you know what, what sex is? And he goes, no, which was probably the moment when I really wanted to exit the conversation. Why don't we deal about it when you deal with it, when you have a better understanding? Do you know what I mean? But again, that's probably not the best way forward. And so I just said to him, I said, well, son, sex is this really good gift that God has given to moms and dads to enjoy together. And I said, when people who are not mom and dad, when they engage in sex things, it's, it's actually not good for them because God has a really good plan for them. And it doesn't make God happy because God wants what's, what's best for us. So then I just said to him, I said, son, the reason why I don't think Sexy Back should be your favorite song is because it kind of celebrates people who aren't mom and dad doing sex things. And and God actually really wants us to enjoy that gift as moms and dads. And so Peyton's kind of quiet there for a minute. And then he looks at me and goes, hey, dad. I go, yeah. He goes, you should tell Drew's mom that. <laughs> and we're just thinking she can figure that one out for herself. Do you know what I mean? So we began the conversations, you know, around sex pretty early on. But of course, over the last 10 years, we've moved beyond just sex, but to actually conversations around gender, uh, sex, and sexuality. And this has become significantly more complex and, and much more difficult within this, this space that, that we find ourselves living right now. And so, you know, with so much political weight applied into this, this conversation and, 
and, and the reality of the struggles that, that many young people are actually going through, you know, it's not easy to really know how to move into this conversation in a way that can be healthy, loving, caring, and ultimately redemptive, especially if you come to the conversation from what I would call like historically orthodox theological position. Like how do we take a position where we read the scriptures and we believe that it actually says that God designed us as male and female and he created sex as a really good gift to be experienced within the context of a of a mother father you know married relationship how do we how do we actually have that conversation and how do we equip our kids you know to actually lean that, lean into that space within kind of the world that we're in well i want to just give you just a few just a few pretty simple steps on what i think could be really helpful if we're going to enter into this conversation in a really healthy way with our kids, no matter kind of where they're at in their journey. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I'm thinking about this conversation, I'm thinking about it mostly in terms of working with adolescents. So most of my time as a professional is, is working with either youth workers or students themselves who are moving through middle school and onward through into high school. So middle and late adolescence. And, 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 and so when I'm thinking about how do we engage the conversation, those are mostly, that's mostly the age demographic that I'm thinking about. But I think the principles can be helpful for us even in the years leading up to adolescence and certainly in the years beyond adolescence. So let me give you a couple of thoughts on what I think can help us in this journey. Number one, I think it's really important if we are going to enter into these conversations in a really healthy, redemptive way that that our first movement is is wrestling with the truth and, and, and actually leaning into the truth. And I'm not thinking specifically in terms of what is true about God's design for gender, sex, and sexuality. Now, I absolutely think that we should be wrestling with that. But even before we go there, I think we really need to wrestle and lean into the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus is calling us to in this time. And there are three realities that I continue to remind myself over and over again as I find myself living in the space where I am right now. Number one, I'm just reminding myself that God ultimately is in control. And I know in the scriptures it says that he has like ordered our days. He has placed us in the space where we are. And ultimately he is bringing all things out to his design, in his design and to his end. And so I need to remember that right away, first off, that, that even though things feel like they're spinning wildly out of control around me, they are not out of his control. And so I rest in that truth. I think the second truth that I want to remember is that this powerful, sovereign God is for us. He is for you. He loves you. He is for you. He is, he is using you in this space. And here's what's something that's really beautiful about a God who is for us. is this reality that there's absolutely nothing he can't redeem or restore. There's nothing that our kids are going through that he can't redeem, restore, and bring something good out of. And there's nothing in our lives that he can't redeem and restore either. Even when we make mistakes in the conversations with our kids, there's still nothing that he cannot redeem or restore. This is what he does. This is what the gospel is all about. And so I remind myself of that reality over and over again. And then the third thing that I want to remember is that God has actually called us to a time such as this. This is the space that he has asked us to lean into. If, um, if that were not true, we would not breathe. And so this moment, this space and time is, is the space that he is actually calling us to move into and seek his grace to be faithful in living and sharing the gospel way for the people that he's placed in our care. And not only, by the way, has he called us into the space, he's also called our, our kids into the space, that he actually has a plan for them 
in this season and in this time, you know, I think some of us, we, we wish that we could go back to the good old days. But the truth of the matter is the good old days don't actually exist. Ever, ever since Genesis chapter 3, since, you know, sin entered the world, our world has known brokenness. Those good old days don't really exist. What we've been given are these days. And these are the days that God is calling us into to live and to equip our kids to live well for God's glory, for the good of all people. And so, you know, we want to remain present here. So the first thing that I'm doing in this time, when I'm thinking about this conversation, I'm thinking about the context I'm in, is I want to lean into the truth. I want to know the truth. I want to like rest in the truth that we have a God who is in control. We have a God who is for us. And we have a God who has called us to a time such as this. I got to know that. Okay, here's the second thing that I need to know. The second thing that I want to lean into is just realizing that my kids are always listening which means that I'm always communicating. So if I'm thinking about how do I have like healthy conversations with my kids around issues of gender, sex, and sexuality, the reality is, is that in some ways I'm always having a conversation with my kids when it comes to this, this issue. And, and here's what I mean by that. You know, there's times I think in our journey with our, with our students, our, our children, especially as they move to middle and late adolescence, where uh, reality starts taking place, which we call differentiation, where they begin to like kind of push away maybe from some of the practices of their nuclear home environment and into other communities where they find themselves placed, where they're known maybe more by their first name than their last name. And they kind of lean into those spaces a little bit more than, than, than our space at home simply because they're trying to create space to actually understand themselves and make their identity their own. And if they're from a family of faith, make their faith their own. And in that season, when they're beginning to differentiate, it feels like all of a sudden they may not want to actually talk to us very much. And we wonder how do we communicate to our kids in this time? But the reality is we're actually always communicating and they're always listening. And here's what I think is really important. When our kids hear us communicating in our home as parents, perhaps with each other or with our friends, is the tone of the conversations, you know, grace-based? Is it inviting? Is it loving towards others? Or is the tone of our conversation and the way we direct our conversation, is it angry, degrading, demeaning? You know, what's, that, what's the tone of our conversation? And here's what I think is really important. If the tone of our conversation tends to lean away from like grace, loving, and caring, especially when it comes to issues that are carry, you know, maybe less emotional weight than the conversation around gender, sex, and sexuality, that will kind of create a disposition for our kids in terms of how they feel. They may be able to approach us in even the more difficult conversations. So they're always listening. And they're always learning from us. And I really think that when it comes to like issues around gender, sex, and sexuality, how we talk about these issues, how we talk about other people who are working through these issues or advocating in some of these spaces, the way we talk about them, the way we position our emotional selves into these conversations, our kids are watching and they're listening and they're learning. And it's saying something to them. It's saying something to them about, are we approachable? It's saying something to them like, are we safe in this conversation? It's saying something to them about, do we believe that, that there is actually a good way that God would have us lean into and that, and that that's something that, that, that we would feel invited into. And so, you know, there are kids are always listening. And I think it's really important that we remember they're listening. And so the way we talk about these things to each other or other people or the way we respond to what we see in TV and news, that's actually shaping our kids. And it's shaping the way they think about these issues, but it's also shaping how they feel they can approach us when it comes to these issues as well. So they're always listening. First, you need to know the truth. Second, we need to know that our children are always listening. Third, I think this is important, that we need to seek to understand and not just be understood. And so 
Here's what that means. If I have a young person, say it's my own child, and I've had my own child come to me and he asked me, what did I think about this conversation? And he was pretty defensive, do you know what I mean? And he kind of invited me in, but then he pushed me away. One of the things that I wanted to try to reposition myself in the conversation was as someone not coming primarily to bring information, but actually coming with an openness to hear information from my son or to invite information from my son. And so there's a couple of things I'd like to say. If your kids actually engage a conversation like this with you, maybe one of your first responses might be something around that, around kind of the space of, hey, thanks so much for like asking me. Like, I'm sure that's a little intimidating for you to enter a conversation like this with your mom or your dad. You know, that might be one way to enter into that conversation. Or you might even ask them the question, hey, was it hard for you to bring that up? Or, you know, depending again on how they're positioning themselves in the conversation, if it's something personally they're asking about themselves or they're disclosing something, or if they're just wanting to talk about the conversation at large or something they've experienced at school, I think it's, you know, one of our one of our first ways of play, positioning ourselves might be just to simply say, hey, thank you so much for trusting me. I think it's really important when our kids begin to talk to us about these things is that we become curious. You know, one of the phrases that I've started to use over the last little while that's been really helpful is simply the phrase, hey, tell me more. Help me to better understand. And I think we can open up the conversation to actually hear what's taking place when it comes into the lives of our kids, when we can ask really great questions. If, if I'm having a conversation with my child and if they're starting to wrestle with some of the issues around gender, sex, and sexuality. There's a few other things I want to find out or understand. Number one, I might want to find out and understand if there's other people that's been a part of this journey with them. Hey, is this something that you and your friends talk about quite a bit? Or, you know, when you're wrestling with these, these kind of questions, you know, who else do you talk to? Who, who, who else or what other voices are important to helping you think through these types of conversations? It's, it's, it's wonderful if we can kind of get a bit of an understanding of who the people are that are talking to our kids. You know, one of the reasons why I love Healthy Youth Ministries is because they're generally designed around another significant older person investing in the life of our kids. And so when I hear that those people are speaking to my children on these most important issues, and I know that they share the same values that I do, I'm just so thankful that I get to be a part of a bigger community that cares about the next generation. Let me just say this, you know, if there's someone that they're talking to that you know that you feel safe, you might even want to consider just exploring a little bit more in terms of, of where how they position themselves in the conversation as well. Or if your kids are a part of a youth group, it's a great thing as a parent to find out how the youth group is talking about these kind of conversations also. So I really want to try to understand, you know, who else is speaking to my kids and, and how are they talking to them about this, uh, about these issues that they're dealing with. Um, one of the questions I might want to ask is, hey, what role does Jesus or the scriptures play in your life as you work through these issues? And, and I'm just trying to get them to consider that Jesus and the scriptures have something important to say. And I'm wondering if they're moving in that direction. And then finally, and I think this is a hard question sometimes for us to ask because we'd really like to get to answers quickly. But but one of the questions to ask our kids, and, and, and I think it's empowering for them. Again, part of what makes it difficult is we as parents would love to own the power in a conversation like this. But the reality is we don't actually have helpful power in that sense, just based on the moment in the conversation. So one of the questions I might ask is, hey, what do you need from me as you work through these issues in your life? Or another question might be, hey, who do you need me to be for you right now? Now, again, I think as a parent, I, I kind of know who I want to be for them in this moment. I want to be the one that's giving them the answers that they're going to embrace. But 
But the, but the truth is, if we want to actually have influence in their lives on these most important questions, we're probably going to have to expand our timelines. We're probably going to have to position ourselves as someone journeying with. And we're probably going to have to be okay that like we don't get to download all of our information in the first conversation. And in fact, chances are we don't get to do that for a number of conversations. That's a real possibility, which leads me to number four. I think we need to expand our timelines. It's okay for us to just come to grips with the reality that this is a conversation that's going to be ongoing and it's going to go for, for a while. In fact, our kids aren't leaving this cultural context at this point in time, you know, period. The question and conversation is not leaving the space and they're going to be wrestling with it. So I think we need to position ourselves and understand that this is a conversation that will take place over a long period of time. And, and if we ask good questions, if we're caring and gentle in the journey, then we're going to have the opportunity to continue to be a part of the conversation with them. And being a part of the conversation with them over time requires like a lot of wisdom. And it's not always easy. There'll, there'll be moments when they'll push us away. There'll be moments when we're invited back in. There'll be moments when we'll kind of reposition ourselves in the conversation and ask questions. I think it's great for us when our kids have opened up that we gently come back to the conversation every once in a while, depending again on how they've positioned themselves in the conversation. If it's something personally they're dealing with or if it's something they're trying to understand because their friends are dealing with, all of those kind of elements will dictate, you know, how close we get to be or, or in the conversation with them. And so, again, I think the point is that we need to kind of expand our timelines on how we engage the conversation with our kids. Let me also say this, that if this is something that our kids are personally struggling with or working through, and that can be really difficult for us as parents, let's make sure that... Um, that the conversations we have with our kids don't indicate that we think this is all that they are journeying with. We, we want our kids to know that what defines them is so much more than just their gender or, or sex or sexuality. That, that there are so many other elements that, that God has, has built in them. There's, there, you know, there, there's so much more than just that. And so we want to make sure that, yes, we come back to this conversation appropriately in its right time and space, but that this isn't the only conversation that we lean into. And again, this can be really hard for us as parents. If, if our children have disclosed that this is something they're wrestling or struggling with, it's hard for us to not want to just stay in that conversation until we can bring it to some type of closure. But again, the journey of adolescence is complex. It takes time and there's ups and downs. And, and it's pretty rare that we get to have a moment that kind of ties the knot on it. And so we need to be prepared to see this as a long journey. We want to like extend the timelines and create possibilities to help our kids work through how they're seeing or thinking through these types of issues. And so again, we want to make sure we come back to the conversation over time, but we also want to make sure it's not our only conversation that we realize there's so much more going on in our kids' lives than just this issue. And we want to continue to celebrate, explore, and lead in the other areas of life that are really important as well. Number five. I think what's really important is that we remember how we say things will speak as loudly as what we say. And, um, you know, these issues can, can make us really insecure as parents. They've made me very insecure as parents. And especially when it becomes something personal that our children might be kind of wrestling through, this can be really difficult for us, especially depending on the theological position we take on these types of conversations. You know, when we're dealing with hard conversations, issues that we might consider sin or or issues of brokenness or sin in our own children's lives, however we kind of see this, this conversation. I think Paul in Galatians chapter 6 kind of gives us uh, some principles on how we might want to 
you know, position ourselves in the conversation. So listen to what Paul says when he's, he's speaking to people who are journeying with each other, who are going through like difficult struggles, issues of sin that people are dealing with. Listen to what Paul says. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. He had a couple of things to stand out to me. Number one, Paul says that you who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. Now, the, 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 the idea of being spiritual, I think for some of us, especially when we think about this conversation and people in the church, we might think that someone who considers themselves spiritual is someone who's like, you know, holier than thou, someone who condemns. But in the chapter before this, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul is talking about the fruits of the Spirit, and he defines them as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Basically, what he's saying is that if you are, are someone whose life is reflecting the fruits of the Spirit, you're filled by the Spirit, the Spirit's in control of you, this is the character that you'll be displaying. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And here's what I think this means, that, that before we enter into some of these difficult conversations, and some of them may be really difficult with, with others or our kids, we should first ask that God would be entering into us, that, that instead of trying to control others, we would ask that the Spirit would control us and our character would reflect His character, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, as we enter into the conversation. The second thing I think that Paul says is that we want to restore others in a spirit of gentleness. And here's what I think that means, that we want to be for others. Um, that we want to make sure that that we want to actually invite our kids into a good way. That God's way is always a good way, and that and that instead of just like confronting an issue or a situation, what we're actually looking to do is invite our kids into a into a better way, a better way of seeing and experiencing life. And and he says that we should do it in a spirit of gentleness. And and here's what I think that means: it means that we actually engage our kids in such a way that they can experience us as for them and not against them. This is not easy. I think so often fear and our insecurities move us to harsh responses. And this is again why first we lean towards the truth of Jesus, remembering that he is in control, that he is for us, he's called us to this time, so that we don't have to allow fear or insecurity to be the primary driver for this conversation, because rarely does that actually result in gentleness and restoration, very rarely. So we want to be for people. We want them to experience us being for them because we're gentle. We want to make sure that we're humble. He says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. We are all people who are going through our own struggles. We are all people who are wrestling with brokenness and sin in our own lives. We all actually need each other. So there isn't this us versus them that should be a part of this conversation. There should be a type of humility that acknowledges that we are all on our own journeys in this way. And then finally, number two, bear with one another's burdens. So for the law of Christ. And it's this idea that we will continue on with each other, that we'll carry on with our kids as they're journeying through, asking questions, perhaps personally struggling, that we make a commitment to bear with our kids in this difficult, complex journey that they find themselves in. And again, before we move towards our kids, we're going to need to move towards Jesus so that our lives in these conversations can actually reflect his character. And I think it's so important if, if we want to be a part of this redemptive journey that, that God would have our kids on. So we want to be careful in terms of how we say things. And then finally, number six, we want to invite our children into a better way. And here's what I think is really important. That if we are people of faith who have chosen to follow Jesus, then we believe that God's way is a good way. And we want to invite our kids into a good way. When it, when, when it comes to these difficult conversations, I think oftentimes as parents, it's difficult to not position ourselves as people who are confronting 
And there are times when confrontation, where we stand against a way of thinking that isn't good um, for them or good for others or reflective of God's way, that there is a type of confronting that needs to take place. But especially when it comes to these difficult conversations, it shouldn't just be confrontation, it should be invitation. Which means that, that as parents, we're going to have to do the hard work of really understanding why we believe God's way is a good way. And then thinking through how we can invite others to actually experience his good way of being. And there should be a, like a, a gentleness that's a part of that invitation that we're calling people into. And again, it's really interesting. I think as parents especially, we want to control. And we I understand that desire to control. But especially as our kids move to middle and late adolescence, what becomes really important is what we model and what we invite others into, including our children. And so we want to invite our kids into a better way. And then finally, let me just say this. Man, we need to pray. And, um, you know, the reality is, my friends, that um, in many ways we're, we're over our head and it's okay to acknowledge that. I once heard someone say, God will never give you more than you can handle. I think that's a lie. <laughs> I think he, he does allow us to be in positions that are more than we can handle. Why? So that we don't rely on ourselves, but we rely on him. And um, this, 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 con this, this cultural moment that I find myself in right now, I got to be honest with you, so often it feels way more than I can handle. But again, I go back to remembering God's in control, that God is for me and he's called me to a time such as this. And so he is ordained that his power would work through prayer. And so it's moving me to a place of praying, acknowledging that I need him and that my kids need him and we need him. And he responds to prayer. His power is activated through prayer. And uh, the scriptures say that he can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And so I just want to say to you as parents, hey, listen, the task that you've been called to is not for the faint of heart. These are complex times. They're difficult. It's not easy to raise our kids in this space. But you have been called specifically to this moment, and so have your kids. And God has given us a way forward. He has equipped us for good works that he is preparing in advance for us to do. And so there is always a good way forward that he calls us into, including these difficult conversations. And I just want to say, like, stay the course. Um, admit when maybe you've responded poorly. That's okay. Confess that. Um, acknowledge when, when, you, when you don't have easy answers to the hard questions that, that they're asking. The, the reality is that if our answers come across as easy, they're probably not going to be easy to actually believe. Do you know what I mean? So there's a complexity to this and it's okay to acknowledge that. And let's just spend time on our knees before the Father and in the Word, really fighting to understand how He would have us be in this season when it comes to these types of issues and how you would have us to respond. There are few conversations that are more difficult to navigate than the conversations around gender, sex, and sexuality. They're conversations that are, that are just, we're immersed in right now. But I really do believe that God provides us a way. There is a way forward for us to position ourselves and engage the conversation in such a way that our kids can experience God's good way as His Spirit works in and through us and with our kids. Hey, a couple questions I guess I'd leave with you. Number one, um, you know, how, how, is, how, how is Christ shaping you as a person as you wrestle with some of these like difficult issues and they're real issues? And are we allowing God to actually shape us in the wrestling with these difficult issues? Um, are you spending time really trying to figure out what you believe and, and how what you believe is good and, and thinking through how do we express and invite our kids into a better way? And this is not, this isn't small. 
listen, they're hard questions, but 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 God can handle our questions. He's not afraid of them. He's not scared of our doubt. Doubt can be a gift of his grace that move us to find better answers to the complex issues that we're dealing with. And then how are we positioning ourselves with our kids that um, by God's grace, we might have the opportunity to help direct them to God's good way? Are we gentle and caring? Are we open uh, in the conversations? Are we willing to hold our kids with an open hand as well before the Father and invite other people into the journey with them? And are we expanding our timelines with them? Understanding that God will work over time. So, man, I'm just praying for you. I want to say thank you so much for this opportunity. And um, God bless you as you continue to journey with your children in this space that God has called us to. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you're feeling encouraged and that you have some new tools to try out in your own parenting. Before you go, we want to remind you that our team is here for you to respond to your parenting questions and especially to pray for you. So please email your questions and any prayer requests you might have to questions at familylifecanada.com. We really do want to help.